One week after they reached number one on our poll, Texas comes tumbling down with a loss to their rival, Oklahoma. Other teams made big strides this week, while some fell completely off the map. We'll discuss these in some questionable coaching decisions this week on TNA Top 10. Andrew, are you ready for this? Terry, the question is actually, are you ready for this? Because we are about halfway through the season. And what I saw this week was sloppy football. And I'm talking sloppy football. Too many penalties. Alabama had 12, if I'm not mistaken. Giving up too many yards. Kentucky let Georgia get 600. Um, Oh, here's one. We get plus 50 field position six times. Turn the ball over twice and get a total of six points. That was the fucking Nebraska Cornhuskers. So, Terry, what we're not seeing is top-level football at this time, which is making it more and more difficult for both of us to say who is number one. Yeah, I mean, there's like a five-team race right now, I think. You know, we don't want to forget about Texas, but they did lose this weekend, right? Uh, We kind of alluded to that in the intro there, but um, that leaves us with five teams that are pretty darn close to the same. You know, there's pros and cons for voting each one of them higher or lower. Uh, Obviously, some argument coming at us with all of those, but, um, you know, if I weren't going to be holding on to this Ohio State pick, the more I get argued with, the more I dig my heels in. So get ready for that, bitch. It's going to stay. Anyway. Fuck Ohio State today, (laughs) tomorrow, and forever. And for our beloved fans, let me say it again. Fuck Ohio State today, tomorrow, and forever. We've all just started church a little early. So let's go ahead, since I did kind of talk about it a little bit. um, I didn't know if you might dive into Nebraska real hard there. We'll hold off on that. But obviously the big story this week is – Hell of a game at the Cotton Bowl this weekend. It was one of those whoever has the ball last with enough time is going to win kind of things. But Oklahoma 34, Texas 30 in the Red River shootout showdown rivalry, I'm calling it, because they don't know what the hell to to name this thing. Um, You know, Oklahoma finds their way in our top 10 uh, for the first time ever. and they are at number seven. Uh, we're not going to do as much of a rundown this week. We figure we can talk about the big games and the big teams. We'll talk about uh, where we placed everybody. And uh, if you want to see the full list, um, I'll tell you where to see that later. Uh, maybe eventually we'll do video and we'll have it showing the whole time or something. But, you know, um, it opens up the format a little bit for us to kind of go away from that countdown. But uh, Texas, a big fall for Texas from number one to nine. I don't know. You know, obviously you have to punish teams for losing. I think Texas is going to bounce back. And I think, honestly, what we're going to see is a Texas-Oklahoma rematch in a few weeks. And um, whoever wins that may end up one of the final four. So. Correct on the first, not the second, Terry. You're going to see Texas, Oklahoma again. They'll be battling it out for the official Big 12 title. They've already done what most of these conferences are going to do next year, and that's just one and two are going to be the guys playing for the national or for the national champ. 
for the uh, conference title. But um, so I think I think you'll see Texas Oklahoma again. I also would argue this was the best game of the week, and I would still say Texas was the better football team. Here's the difference: they outgained Oklahoma, but you know what else they did? They turned the ball over, and you know what Oklahoma did? They scored on those turnovers, and that really made the difference in this game. Brent Venables' guys were ready to play. They were not intimidated by what Texas brings as a football team because they are good in all three phases of the game. And as they called it on TV, the game within the game between Starkeesian and, and Venables mm-hmm. did not fail to deliver. It was fantastic watching the chess match between the two of them as Stark calls a play and Venables calls the defense to, to defend it. So really high-level football game. For people that really are into X's and O's, this is a game to watch because it was very physical. It was a pretty clean game. There was over 800 yards of offense between both teams. But what we saw was this dance, like you see at the end of Kill Bill between Uma Thurman and Lucy Liu. And as those two women are dancing on their on their toes in the garden, and it's snowing, it couldn't be more beautiful before they kill each other. And that is literally what Starkeesian and, and Venables did all game long was circle each other, dance at each other, flash their swords at each other. Um, And it was really, that game was a work of art. It was from a coaching standpoint, offense versus defense, two of the best minds that the college game has right now. So I was, I was very pleased with the game. Of course I picked Texas to win by two touchdowns, but um, you can't turn the ball over against a very good football team. And the other thing is, let's face it, Oklahoma's offense played out of their brains. I mean, their quarterback right. couldn't miss Saturday morning. He was on fire. Um, and, and when you get streaky like that, you take advantage of it. When a player gets hot, you start giving them the ball, throwing them the ball, running with the ball. I mean, we talked about Ray Davis at Kentucky last week. He could do no wrong. This week, Kentucky didn't get 200 total yards of offense. He had 280 by himself last week. My point is, if you got the hot hand, you just keep playing that hot hand. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, that's what they did with their quarterback there at Oklahoma. But really great game. If anybody didn't get the chance to watch it, go find it. This, This was the game of the week, in my opinion. And there were a couple really good games, but this one, I mean, it was fantastic all the way around. Yeah, and you kind of hit at something earlier um, that you talk about turnovers and penalties. We look at these teams and and how good they are. It's not just about the talent because, I mean, some teams are consistently disciplined and they're not making the stupid penalties. They're not getting those five yards. They're not getting those ten yards. They're not getting touchdowns called back. Um, and other teams, while they have a tremendous amount of talent, they keep getting plagued by these things. And, you know, when we look at who has staying power and consistency, because, you know, a penalty or, or a turnover, that's huge in some of these games sometimes when, when you're that yep. close in talent or coaching. And, um, you know, it, it proves again that that's the deciding factor quite a bit. I agree with you. I think that I think that uh, I think the coaching was pretty even. I maybe didn't give Venables his due, 
But obviously, he's such a young head coach. He hasn't had that signature win. And he hasn't been in the dogfights Tarkeesian's been in as a head coach. Certainly as a coordinator, both with Oklahoma and Clemson, but not as a head coach. Um, but I agree with you. The minute little things all of a sudden matter. And that's what my opening rant was really about. You're in conference play now, guys. Every game counts. Every game matters. Style matters. The way you did it, how you did it, who you did it to. All of those things are now starting to get factored in because we'll see the first college playoff poll this month. I don't know if it's next week or the week after, but we're going to see that poll. And, um, you know, they're probably be different than our poll, than different than the AP and different than the coaches poll, because that's what we've seen consistently over the last several years. But um, no, Texas, Oklahoma, they'll be back. It'll be another game for the Big 12 title. I don't see anybody beating Oklahoma uh, until you get back to Texas. And that's what I said, though, about the problem with the with the Big 12 is that schedule, unfortunately, as TCU proved this weekend, they are not a good football team. They are Man. not good at all. And we'll get there. I don't want to jump the shark. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, nah, they are not a good football team this year. And then, you know, you saw Baylor, not a good football team. Kansas, they've got some life, as you like to say but they're not a contender against an Oklahoma or a right. Texas team. Um, and then, you know, as you get into the Iowa States of the world and the rest of them, um, all those, all the other ones out in the mountain West, and that's no offense to them. I'm not trying to be insulting. There's just not enough talent to beat Oklahoma or Texas. I don't think the rest of the way through, which the bigger problem is there's not enough strength in that schedule. When you look at what's coming down the PAC 12, the big 12 or big 10 and the sec all have much stronger conference schedules coming right. up. Speaking of Iowa State, did you see their uniform pants this week? That looked like they were nude pantyhose? It looked yeah, like, I saw it those looked like the, they, quit, they forgot to pack the pants on their trip or something, and they just had to go out yeah, there naked awful. from the waist down. Yeah, I said naked. That was I'm awful. from Alabama. He's from um, Alabama, and the wrong side of Alabama, too. He, he roots for them Auburn folks, and we're going to get to my man Saban here shortly. But uh, yeah, well, let's not forget that Cristobal is prowling. also a Saban guy. So let's not. We'll get, we got to get good and the bad. We'll talk about. He's that also later a national too. national <laughs> champion player, coach with Miami. Terry, don't get me started on well, history that, now. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> so one thing that obviously this game is a precursor to next season: a sixteen-team powerhouse southeastern conference and we're already hearing some rumors about um you know maybe florida state clemson being added to that not too long in the future and this is kind of getting out of hand but i've looked at it quite a bit lately how you know i, I drew a map and i showed you a picture and you made fun of it or whatever but um are some of our friends it made ain't fun of it? it ain't the southeast conference <laughs> no more terry and the big kids even worse look <laughs> The SEC is a lot more southeast than than some of these other ones are. It's like um, the ACC is going to have Pacific Coast teams next year, right? So, I mean. As is the Big Ten, in all fairness. <laughs> yeah, but the Big Ten, that, that's not a geographical name. But anyway, but I look forward to next year. And I've been trying to figure out, you know, everybody's got their own plan for how schedules work. And, you know, I really don't want to see some of these rivalries go away. Um, and, and it really sucks if, if they're not going to put enough annual rivals. And I think the numbers at 16 fit pretty well if they have a nine 
game conference schedule, if they have three annual games, annual rivalry games that they play every year, three should be enough to get all of those big rivalries in. And then that leaves 12 teams that you um, rotate. So you'll play a home and away with six of them and then play a home and away with the other six. And you kind of rotate that way. And I think it works out perfectly. Now, nine-game schedule also means, you know, for most teams it's going to be five home games, four away one year, four home games, five away the next year. I don't love that. If everybody could have an annual rival that got played at a neutral site, like, you know, your Texas-Oklahoma or your Florida-Georgia, if if Birmingham would build a decent enough stadium for the Iron Bowl to go back to Birmingham, you know, that kind of thing, that's not condemned. <laughs> uh, you know, my Auburn faithful are, are hating me saying that but because um, they hated it being in Birmingham. But I, um, I think that would be the right way to go. I don't know what they're going to do. I've seen multiple versions of this. They kind of put out um, next year's schedule or whatever, and then – maybe the next couple of years. So they set it up where in the next two years, everybody plays Texas and everybody plays Oklahoma. I don't know if they're just going to give, give that much time to shift to a new scheduling scheme or not, but I'm pretty interested in this. Cause here's the thing, as much as I hate as an Auburn fan playing Georgia and Alabama every year, right now, I would hate to not get one of those rivalry games every year. I don't care how good they are. I want that damn game, you know. Um, and, Give Terry and, his game, people. Give him his game. Give him his game. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> we get our, our we so we get trounced. Who cares? I need my Auburn Georgia game. I mean, Iron Bowl wins out there, but then you're also going to lose Alabama Tennessee. We don't need to lose Alabama Tennessee, you know that kind of thing. So that you know, I support more I think the number is three I don't know who the third one would be for Auburn maybe LSU I don't know I mean that's not that's a tough three but you know if you're gonna do it you need to do it so don't be afraid of it um so that's what I would support but um we'll see what happens we are going in a direction of some pretty big chaos though uh 16 teams already talking about 18 teams I mean, we're looking at, I don't know, are we going to have three mega conferences within 10 years? I don't know. It's it's getting crazy. Agreed. So, now that we stated that our number one team has been knocked off their podium there, the question is, who should be number one? We got, we got a few teams to think about. So, the first one, we got three teams in the Big Ten that are undefeated, playing very well consistently every week. Um, None of these teams have played down to their competition. If you want to count Notre Dame there, go ahead, whatever. But but let's start with Michigan. They're 6-0 after beating Minnesota 52-10. And um, Michigan just does not give up points. I know they haven't played anybody spectacular. Minnesota was probably – a little better than what they've been playing. They really don't have anybody that's going to test them for like another month. Um, Michigan's um, just rolling right along. 
What are your thoughts? Certainly Michigan. Yeah, certainly Michigan's imposing their will. That's what I wrote in my notes here that you were so nice to send me. And then I, I wrote some special messaging as we like to call it here at TNA top 10 um, required reading. Some might even call it church that I put on these notes, but anyway, we'll get there. Michigan, a reevaluation of Michigan is promised, Terry. Physically dominant in all three phases of the game. Yeah. Specifically on defense, to your point, they're not giving up points. That, that passing touchdown Saturday was only the second. That's right, two that they have given up all season long. Fun fact. Uh, number two, they didn't have the ball 30 minutes and they scored 52 points. That means they score. I understand they're not playing the most elite competition, but they're playing inside their conference. They muscled Nebraska, big shocker, but then they muscled Minnesota, which is known to have a decent defense and a good running game, 52 to 10. They only had the ball 29 minutes. They're making the most of all of their possessions. They're physically imposing their will. They're dominating the line of scrimmage. Michigan is a solid number two team in the country. Yeah, so... Obviously, they're rolling right along, but then they've got two other teams in their own conference. Um, the next one I got listed here to talk about is Ohio State. They are now also 6-0, and um, and they've got a win at Notre Dame, and they put an end to Maryland's undefeated streak this weekend with a 20-point win. Um, I think, from what I can tell, if they utilize their receiver properly, oh, goodness, what is his name? Um, Harrison. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. If they utilize him properly, um, they can really push it. Um, but, you know, it's another team that, you know, maybe they don't have the Michigan defense, but they can play defense. They're consistent. They're not playing down to their competition. They keep rolling. And it's one of those things until we get that Ohio State Penn State game in a couple of weeks. Um, these three teams are just going to go, and there's really not going to be any kind of separation. I don't think any either any of these teams play anybody this week. Several top teams play a bunch of nobodies this week, but um, Ohio State's just solid. All right, go ahead. Here you go. I teed it up for you. Fuck Ohio State. I don't care how solid they are. Ohio State is the weakest of the big three in the Big Ten, and this is why. Their offense. Their offense is the serious question mark right now. You raised Marvin Harrison Jr. as a great solution. You're not wrong, Terry. Here's the problem. It took them all four quarters to beat Maryland, and it took their defense getting the ball from Tugavaloa. See, I got his name right. Twice before they finally put that one to bed, and they got the short side of the field, and they did what good teams do, and they scored. But they had to lean on their defense in that game. In the first half, Maryland dominated, dominated Ohio State's offense. That's not anything you've heard anybody say in 20 years that Ohio State's offense got dominated. But Maryland, led by Mike Loxley, we thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be one where they can score and this and that. They played defense against Ohio State. Yeah. I think they ran out of athletes, honestly. You can tell that the 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 quality of the athlete, Maryland versus Ohio State, Ohio State's got the edge, and that is no offense to Maryland. I right. know the final score was 20, but it really wasn't 
that game wasn't that far away. It really was not like Ohio State deservingly won that game by 20 points, Well, um, particularly on the offense side. Yeah, there at the end. That's right. Um, so I'm very happy with Maryland. I told you Maryland would be coming for Ohio State, yep. but we, we both thought Ohio State was too strong. Mm-hmm. And we were right, but their offense is the question mark. And they got to play Michigan and Penn State, who, again, are two top ten defenses, not in the Big Ten, but the entire country. So Ohio State better get it together. And again, because it's what I do, fuck Ohio State today, tomorrow, and forever. All right. Well, that leads us into Penn State, and uh, they took the week off, but they are still five and zero. In a similar fashion, they're playing good defense. They're consistent. They're disciplined. Um, they've got enough offense to um, slowly impose their will on teams, and they've been consistent with whoever they played. But they play Massachusetts this week, and they're going to win by 70 and look like they've actually got a superpower in terms of offense. The defense of Penn State is what makes it work. They're forcing turnovers. They're taking advantage. They're scoring on short fields. Um, They don't miss a lot of possessions, and that matters. I mean, how many possessions you get a game is going to matter when it comes down to these teams that are so good they are – microscopic things apart they, they there's no measurement with how close they really are when you look at talent consistency performance and all of the other factors that we look at together um obviously penn state's going to be rested massachusetts and then like you said the big games with ohio state that's the one that matters so yeah. and penn state has to get it done because Franklin doesn't have a track record of being a threat to these teams, both Penn State and Michigan. And he's really the only thing stopping either one of them for just being in the Big Ten championship game. That's right. So, obviously, those are three teams that we factored in. Um, You know, why don't you go look at our top ten? We're not going to run it down. Go look at our top ten. Obviously, people know – um, I've been voting Ohio State number one. I'm catching a lot of shit for that, but you know what? They're staying there. Deservingly. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to um, dig my heels in on that, even if I don't it's feel terrible. like it, just, just in spite. It, it's, it's spite right now. Because honestly, if you really want to think about it, every week I do this. So there's a collection of teams at the top that hadn't played each other. And some of them have played some decent second-layer teams in one some have not. Some seem consistent and disciplined. Some don't. Sometimes the disciplined team doesn't win the national championship, right? Uh, sometimes they just have that much talent. Uh, so it's not really who has the most talent. You know, there's the talent. There's the coaches. There's the discipline. There's not turning the ball over. You know, all that stuff matters. Um, but I don't see any compelling reason to change anything at the top until something pushes me to, you know, the Texas loss pushed them down. But I'm going to stick with kind of what I had um, because I don't see anything proving anything one way or the other. And In a couple of weeks, it'll start shaking itself out. You know, I thought that we were going to learn something this week from USC Notre Dame, but I'm not sure if we are, you know. both. We learned something from both those teams this week. Yeah, we learned I, I, that this game doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. That's what we learned. Mm, 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 mm. 
So anyway, let's move on a little bit to the SEC. And the only team worth mentioning right now, you know, oh I'm, my I'm God, not throwing a man. I'm not throwing a dart Stop across it. the state here, but right now, um, there'll be opportunities to change this, but the only team worth talking about for the top spot right now is Georgia from the SEC, and they rolled over Kentucky, you know, way worse than anybody expected. We thought Kentucky was going to be a contender there, especially after how Georgia played Auburn. Um, I would say that Georgia learned some lessons after escaping Jordan-Hare with a win. Um, I think Kirby convinced them that, you know what, um, Kentucky's undefeated and they're coming to you this week. You better wake up and you better start playing from the first snap. And they did that. The question is, can they consistently do that from week to week? This week they got Vandy, so it really doesn't matter. You know, they can moonwalk the whole game and win that. But, um, you know, there's going to come a time. I know they're in the East. It's a little bit weaker. You know, I'm throwing, throwing a dart at you, Tennessee and Florida. But um, so they won't have as tough of a, of a schedule from here forward. But, um, you know, they'll, they'll have their opportunities to, to have games where they have to prove themselves. If they play like they did Saturday, they're not going to have any trouble. But if they start creeping up with one of those South Carolina games or one of those Auburn games, then somebody might sneak up on them. No chance if they play like they did Saturday. The Saturday Georgia Bulldogs were the team I predicted to win the three time, be the three time national champions at the end of this season. 600 yards of total offense against. Uh, Kentucky 52 points oh I believe it was 29 first downs they doubled Kentucky up in first downs Kentucky did not get 200 yards this was a really really good disciplined football team that then when they came to Athens this past weekend third down you get the stop it's fourth down forcing Georgia to punt and you decide to shove somebody down after the whistle's blown and the play is dead terrible discipline on part of the players there. Plays. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Really. And then it just got out of hand because every time Georgia had the ball, they did something with it. Um, and, of course, their defense showed up. Their quarterback showed up. They were motivated, to your point. They were motivated to play this game. And this is the Georgia that everybody needs to be afraid of. The Georgia that that, that messed around against Auburn, messed around against uh, SC, those aren't the teams you necessarily have to worry about, uh, that Georgia. But if this Georgia that was here against Kentucky this weekend shows up to play, you're going to get your dick knocked in the dirt because there ain't a better team in football than Georgia when they play like they did Saturday. Yeah, and that's the difficulty with a team like that that's shown inconsistency. You're like, do I vote them based on the potential I know they have? Or do how much do I factor in that inconsistency? Are they going to be up for the games they need to be up for consistently? Um, I don't know. Are they are they leaning on home field advantage? I don't know that either because they were at home against Kentucky. They went on the road to Jordan Hare. You know, I've been a part of that crowd uh, at Jordan Hare many times. Um, I know it can be rowdy. Um, it was a new starting quarterback going on the road in the SEC for the first time. That's a tough thing. 
do they put that behind them or do they have a road game coming up at some point that that's going to creep back up? I don't know. And that's the difficulty. It's like, do I, do I reward Georgia for what the last thing they showed me? Or do I think about the possibility that some of these things are going to show up again? And I don't know, you know, they have two or three weeks where they're coming out and playing like they did Saturday then that'll change my mind a little bit. But I'm not completely convinced until we see more than one of these. I was very convinced. That was a shellacking. That was what we call here in Eastern North in Eastern North Carolina. That's what we call a country ass whooping Terry. <laughs> because that was countryside. Kentucky didn't even know what they were doing. I mean they didn't there was yeah. nothing they did. Nothing they did that affected Georgia in any way, shape, or form. And then, you know, I talk about physicality and the control of the line of scrimmage and imposing your will. That is Georgia football 101 these days. So mm-hmm. I think that Kirby's Kirby's got him motivated. And uh, Vandy, the game is going to be over before the first quarter. But, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. Well, one thing I think with Georgia's rushing defense, you know, we saw Auburn go for over 200 against them, and then we thought, well, Ray Davis went for 280. He'll be able to run all over him. But it's a little different because you're talking about a team that has a guy. You can key on that guy, and you can stop him. I mean, it's kind of heartbreaking to say this, but, I would have to look back at the stats, but I believe Mark Ingram had like 15 yards or something in the Iron Bowl and won the Heisman. You know, that, that's a really sad stat because, you know, we would have loved to keep him from winning the Heisman. But if you can key on a guy, you can stop him if you've got the athletes to do it. I think Auburn's success came from the fact that they had three guys that were running the ball and they combined to the 200 and something yards. The question is, um, you know, that's pretty much all Auburn has. There's no passing game, zero. I think they are absolutely last in passing in the whole country from what I have read. Um, the question is, um, are there any other teams that are going to be talented enough with enough people that can run the ball to spread it out and, and um, confuse the defense a little bit? And will we see that show up again? if the right offense steps on the field with them. That I don't know either. All right, so let's move away from the SEC here and let's talk Florida State. Um, Florida State played Virginia Tech, a pretty terrible team. Um, They did not just completely destroy them, but they won pretty handily, um, 39-17. I did not really watch much of this game. I guess I had a lot of confidence in Florida State winning this, considering who they were playing. Uh, did you watch any of this? On the Florida State? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, but uh, I took this note. It says, um, too many rushing yards allowed, plus 300. Okay. Florida State's defense gave up 300 yards to Virginia Tech. And this Virginia Tech team sucks. We made fun of Iowa State, but this team is bad. I mean, they are they are <laughs> At least they're wearing pants, right? It, yeah, it's why I didn't even bother to watch the game much. And then I saw the, the stat lines and I watched the reveal. I was yeah. like, wait a minute. They let Virginia Tech rush 300 yards? 
And this isn't your Duke or your Miami or your North Carolina, which is quietly having a very good season. So um, they've still got some competition left in the ACC. 300 yards rushing is a problem, and Dave and the QC better call his boys and tell them that they need to tighten up on that line of scrimmage. See, I I got it in. Well, see, last week I thought you were going to get all the way to the end and not get it, but you threw it in, threw a zinger in there at the end. Right after you said, I don't mention anybody's name, but Dave in the QC, but he's now in the HSV. But anyway. um, Yeah. So, yeah, I think Florida State uh, is the only team in the ACC. I think Clemson, I don't know. You want to talk about inconsistent. Clemson, I just don't know what to think of them. They look good one week. They just they let somebody play with them that, that shouldn't the next week. It, it's bizarre. Yeah. Wake Forest shouldn't shouldn't have played with Clemson. That's my opinion. But anyway. So anyway, we think Florida. I mean, honestly, um, I still include Florida State in this list because they have the opportunity to really push through the rest of the season. But if if I had doubts about some of these teams we're mentioning then at this point, Florida State's one of those that I have doubts about. But let's move to the wild and crazy Pac-12 a little bit. And we've got a – I'm going to say three teams, although one of them is not looking super great at the moment. Oregon and Washington were both off this week to set up for a huge game this week against each other. Both teams are 5-0. Both teams have offenses that – darn near can't be stopped we've talked about Oregon being more of a complete team but um I guess the question is I think it's at Washington is that true I think so might be I'd have to check I yeah think you're right. to, I'm pretty sure it's at Washington but I think Washington's offense is probably a little better uh quarterback you know I love Bo Nix obviously but um I think Penix is um just a little better um fantastic lefty quarterback there uh is their offense good enough to make up for not being as good on defense and it's going to be a fantastic game this week it's the 330 game it is both teams uh undefeated five and oh and what i was stalling for is it is I believe you're right, Terry. It is at Washington, three thirty. So, so that's did confirm that. Did confirm that for you. You and I both use the same word to describe Oregon complete. I think intense is another good word. I think motivated is a good word to describe them. I'm not saying Washington isn't. I think defensively, maybe where this game gets decided because we know Bo Nix can score. We know Pinnock can score, and we know it's not just them. They've got the talent around them to score. Right. This game could get out of hand real fast, or it could be push-ups. one where Washington, Washington's defense surprises us and uh, actually sticks it to Oregon a couple times. I think Oregon, though, physically has the edge, and I think they, they're playing like they've got something to prove. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we're seeing that from Washington yet. I mean, Oregon is playing – like a team looking for a national title, and we kept them outside the top five or top, yeah, the top five again. Um, I don't think he can if they handle Washington this weekend. Just an opinion. 
Yeah, and that's but, where um, I was kind of holding off knowing this game was coming up. You know, I'm not much to make big movements in my top ten unless I see something really proving it. And I've been waiting on this weekend for the Pac-12 to really, to really see, um, to really see, you know, who's really going to stand out. Um, you know, USC is obviously the other team, and they've. Um, their their defense is just horrific. I mean, everybody's praising the quarterback, but you know the quarterbacks. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I almost see USC as a slightly better Colorado because they've got a fantastic quarterback and they've got some receivers, but there ain't much of anything else. It is just it is bad. I mean, forty three forty one over Arizona in triple overtime. And, um, you know, you know, I did say Arizona's a decent team. They're kind of that second layer of the Pac-12. But I didn't expect this. Uh, I think USC, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't don't think they're really, I included them on the list until proven otherwise. They are undefeated in the Pac-12. But I just don't see them playing with Oregon or Washington. Yeah, I don't. uh... I don't think USC's shown us that they're a complete football team. I think they get a little sloppy. Their penalties uh, are very high because they have a lot of procedure penalties. That's what happens when you run such a fast offense and you do some exotic looks. And the other thing, you get the uh, you get the false starts and the and the lined up in the you know or or not not six man seven man on the line of scrimmage whatever. You get a lot of procedure pre snap penalties, and that becomes a problem for teams. When you get into the deep water, Lincoln Riley knows offense. He knows how to get the most out of those guys, but he needs a defensive coordinator. And it reminds me of 1995, the Nebraska Cornhuskers defeated Steve Spurrier's Florida 62-24, to and it wasn't even close. They had, Florida had no answers. But do you know what happened the very next year? Bob Stoops became the defensive coordinator of the Florida Gators, and they won the national title. So, you know, there is something to be said of defense, but I don't know that I don't know that Lincoln Riley has good coordinators in mind. What I do know is they are flirting with disaster to quote Molly Hatchet. And I obviously mean that they're letting these games get get way down to the wire. I mean, Colorado staged a four score comeback. They were down four scores at one point. Arizona yeah. took them to triple overtime. I mean, yeah. this is this is not good football that's going to win you national titles. This is uh, the football that gets you blown out in the semifinal game if you make it that far. You know, I'm Oregon, interested. Yeah, I'm interested this week just to see if Notre Dame beats them by two touchdowns. Yeah, because Notre Dame's going to bring the defense. And they also had a very disappointing performance against yeah. Louisville, which I know you've got coming up. But Notre Dame's defense was in that game. Jeff Fromm and Louisville made the plays they needed to make. Um, and then the offense couldn't answer on Notre Dame's side. So I think I think that this is USC's biggest test. No offense to Colorado and all that Deion Sanders did out there. Right. Or no offense to Arizona. But we know what Notre Dame can do defensively. That's true. This is a team that held Ohio State to 10 points. This is a team that, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, plays with everybody physically, plays with everybody from a from a talent standpoint, 
But like I said, Louisville just got got them this week, you know, and that's the that's the thing about college football. You're the best team eleven out of twelve weeks. Well, you're eleven and one. Well, and that's the thing. Um, you know, you talk about Louisville; they're still undefeated. And we, we can go ahead and talk about that game. There's no reason to wait. Um, it's almost like one of those things. It's like when do you give a team a mulligan? You know, do you say Notre Dame just had a disastrous half, but they've shown us some consistency otherwise? Or did this show some weakness that's going to be taken advantage of? So we don't know what our coach is going to do when they look at that tape. What are they going to learn from it? Are there weaknesses that are now glaring that, you know, is USC going to say, oh, we know how to beat Notre Dame. Louisville showed us how to do it. So we don't know. Um, I still think Notre Dame's pretty good. Um, obviously, they're not playoff contender. They're out of it. But Yeah, um, not anymore, yeah. But um, they're still a pretty good football team. The core is good. Um, they just uh, they just messed up. I don't think they're all that well coached. I think there's some coaching mistakes there. Obviously, with the 10 men on the field, didn't help against Ohio State. Um, but, yeah, it was a pretty disastrous week. Uh, and they were in the game, and then they were not in the game. And that's kind of how that happened. Right. And that's what happened to Notre Dame this week. So let's talk about – the other big game this week that happened in Texas. And then I will run down the top 10 because we will have talked about all of them. So Alabama beats Texas A&M in College Station 26-20. You know, I picked Texas A&M to win this game. I don't regret that. I think Texas A&M played them pretty well. I thought the home field advantage would give it to them. But I think Alabama's improving. I think that we're seeing some talent um, there were some huge pass plays over the top of the Texas A&M defense over and over again, multiple times. And as much criticism as we've seen, and they're still making a bunch of penalties and stupid mistakes, and Saban talks to that. They had another touchdown called back, I think. Um, I think they're up to like seven this year. It's crazy. Um, but their ability to go vertical – is there and you know we saw it with Tua when he came in the national championship game you know disastrous play followed by a touchdown um that's the kind of team that Alabama is right now they are a team that's inconsistent they're not uh, five yards in a cloud of dust by by any circumstances they are gonna lose five yards followed by a 35 yard pass that's who Alabama is, and they're going to play some decent defense. Um, they don't have quite the offensive line they've had in the past, but it's good enough because they've got some, you know, obviously they've got a bunch of five stars that if you point them in the right direction are going to do some good things. And it showed up, and they ended up winning this game. Yeah, I mean, I told I told you Alabama's going to win by 21 in College Station. I told you I didn't give a shit it was in College Station. I don't care what Jimbo does. He ain't, he ain't playing for that contract. But, um, nah, it, it's another great football game. This is quietly becoming a very good rivalry between the two teams in the West. Um, good, good for A&M. They always play Alabama tough, at least it seems like it. I think you're right. Alabama's got 
the talent. They've got the ability, Mm -hmm. but they have yet to use that talent and show the ability all in the same time. It's like Georgia did this week. They have not had that game. It's very strange to talk about a Nick Saban football team, an Alabama Crimson Tide football team, and say the following statement, Terry. They are not now, nor do I believe, before the end of the season, be a top five football team. And I say that because there is no discipline in the way that there was discipline at Alabama. Twelve penalties. I think it was for 112 yards. Um, like you say, touchdowns called back. Saban's on his back off his meds again, which is great for everybody that loves Alabama football. But you get into a dogfight with Georgia, no pun intended. You got Tennessee coming up down the road. You have Auburn at the Iron Bowl. Go ahead and commit at 12 home. penalties. Yeah, at home, commit 12 penalties. And see where you end up. How about this? They're pre-snap penalties. Yeah, A lot of them are pre-snap penalties. It's one thing if one of Saban's cornerbacks gets aggressive and gets a pass interference call. Yes. It's another if you get a, a blitzing linebacker gets hit with the, gets hit with the uh, rough in the passer. Or you get a lineman who gets a holding call. But we're talking about his damn linemen are jumping um, false starts. You got the defenders lining up in the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. That is not the discipline that Nick Saban has has been known for. The cornerstone of his Alabama football program. So they've got to clean up a lot of things before I'm ready to sing the praises of Alabama again. But they are a top ten football team. Their defense plays lights out, and they make you earn everything you get in those football games. That is Nick Saban football. What they're doing on the offensive side of the football is not characteristic of what we've seen at Tuscaloosa. So let me run down the top ten, and I'll have a little bit of a response about your not top five comment. So we've talked about all these teams already. We talked about kind of our logic that goes into it. We have Georgia at number one. One point above Michigan at number two. Michigan jumped up, like we said. At number three, some of you guys are going to be happy with this. Florida State is tied with Penn State. Yeah, I said Penn State before Ohio State in this. You can thank Andrew for that. And then Ohio State, a point behind that tie at number five. Then we've got uh, the Pac-12 coming in at number six. We've consistently seen that at least until this week. You know, if – if one of these teams wins by two or three touchdowns, then it's almost a definite that we see some jumps there. Uh, then we've got Oklahoma, who who jumps into the top ten for the first time at number seven. Then we've got Washington at eight, Texas at nine, and Alabama re-enters the top ten at number ten, one point behind the Texas Longhorns that gave them their only loss. So here's my response to your comment about Alabama. I'm looking at this list of teams ahead of them. You said they won't be in the top five by the end of the year. You're probably right. I'm looking. uh, There's some games between teams ahead of them. You know, Georgia doesn't have any games against anybody. Unless they get upset, they're, they're staying above Alabama. Michigan plays Ohio State. 
So Michigan and Ohio State, somebody's going to lose there. So that's one loss ahead of Alabama. Florida State doesn't play anybody that's ranked in the top ten. So unless they get upset, they're not going to drop down. Uh, Penn State plays Ohio State. So, you know, it's possible that two of these three teams come up with losses from the Big Ten. Is it enough to get Alabama ahead of them? I don't know. We'll have to see how the games are played. Oregon plays Washington this week. Um, so it looks like, unless there's some upsets, Alabama may end up at six or seven at the end of the year. And it really depends on, you can't just say so-and-so beat so-and-so, you know, um, how bad did they beat them? How did they look? You know, I'm not saying that Alabama's going to end up there, but Alabama's got an opportunity to jump up about three spots, about three or four spots by the end of the season. And that's without any major upsets. But you're probably correct about the top five comment. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see it. I don't see I don't see them being a, a top five football team. And uh, we'll see how it goes when they uh, release the college football playoff rankings. And uh, we'll see what we have when um, we see Tennessee play Alabama, if not this week, next week. And then, uh, like you said, you've got the Pac-12 games. You've... By the way, got three games in the Big Ten because Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all play each other because they're in the same conference. Right. So you could ha- you could effectively had what happened when you had Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Texas um, back in the day. You could have all three with one loss. Okay. Oh well, I was thinking we. I was thinking we did not get a – yeah, we do. It's just late in the season. Michigan plays Penn State pretty late toward the end of the season. So Michigan's going to have Penn State-Ohio State pretty close together then. Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting. Okay. Well, let's move on a little bit and talk about some other teams that are not in the top ten but um, have made some impressions. You mentioned North Carolina earlier. They beat Syracuse 40-7 to this week. You know, Syracuse a couple of weeks ago was undefeated, trying to show that they belong, and uh, North Carolina said not so fast, and uh, they just put it on them. And uh, what are you seeing from North Carolina that's pushing them up and making them this? Or is the defense kicking it up a notch? Is is old Chizik doing the job over there? Yeah, it's consistency. It's consistency, and Chizik is doing the job, and he's an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> um, but Mac Brown hired him, so whatever. But I mean, the offense is playing well, the defense is playing well. Uh, and you know, we've read a couple of these scores last few weeks, they're winning by 30 points and more at this yeah. point. And uh, um, I mean, they handled Minnesota, they've handled they handled uh, uh, Syracuse, and Syracuse was undefeated two weeks ago. So you know, they've taken a couple bad beats, one from Clemson and one from Carolina now. Um, but yeah, a lot of experience on that North Carolina coaching staff, a lot of experience in terms of the players, and they're just getting the job done. Now, Syracuse is probably the best team they've played. Maybe, maybe South Carolina. But, you know, if you're gonna if you're winning in conference games by 33 points, yeah, you're gonna, you know, that there's no denying that's impressive. You know, it's pretty crazy, and I was thinking about this the other day. Duke, North Carolina, it's a pretty good football matchup right now. 
And that's pretty crazy. As, and the Duke quarterback's still day to day with his ankle. So mm, yeah, that, it's that an sucked. even better football game with him in the game. That's right. Yeah, there's a couple of teams. Obviously, we've talked about Utah could really use their quarterback back. And we talked about the timeline there and what are they going to do. Um, Duke's the same way. Duke is very good with their guy. Um, but, you know, they're not one of these programs that's going to have that depth. You know, there's not that next guy up that's going to be the same or, or pretty close to it most of the time at Duke. So I hope he comes back. Uh, I want to see teams at their best. I, I hate trying to rank teams when I know I'm trying to consider injuries because that really sucks because I want to see yep. teams. Um, I want to see the guy that's injured get what he deserves, and I want the rest of the guys get what they deserve too. So another team I got listed here, um, this was my upset alert of the week, um, Arkansas. And Ole Miss squeaked it out, 27-20. Um, you know, it really sucks as an Auburn fan. I'm looking for some SEC West teams to show up and not play very well. And I'm not seeing it. And that's unfortunate. You know, Mississippi State's the only one doing me favors there. Um, Arkansas is supposed to play like crap, and they haven't been doing that lately. Ole Miss. No, nah, they're a middle, uh, middle-of-the-road football team, and the hangover did not last um, as you thought it might. And, we, and, and rightfully so, because they beat LSU in that massive shootout. This time around, they only scored 27 points. You know, they scored 52 to whatever it was the week before, 55, whatever it was. It was a big number. But anyway. I think, yeah. Yeah, it was huge. Over 100 points scored between both teams. Absolutely no defense. But Lane Kiffin gets them playing again. And, of course, the, um, the uh, Pittman, Coach Pittman, Sam Pittman, great coach. He just – he doesn't have the caliber of talent that he – of the teams he's playing right now. Oh, and this week he drew Alabama. Yeehaw! So you got Ole Miss last week. You got Alabama this week. And I think you had LSU the week before. So uh, you talk about a murderer's row. He is hitting on all cylinders in the SEC West right now. Yeah, and speak, let's stay in the SEC West a little bit. And we've got our weekly shootout game with LSU. As they beat Missouri, mm. give Missouri their first loss, 49-39. Um, After Missouri, or they spotted Missouri 22 points. Yeah. Missouri's, Missouri's one of those teams that they just don't have the talent level that the other teams do. They play pretty decent football, but they're just not going to hang. When, when one of these teams turns it on, Georgia, you know, I know LSU – doesn't have a great defense, but um, if LSU decides to turn it on, then it's it's going pretty hard. So, um, 49-39 LSU, um, another team that's inconsistent. You don't know how to grade them. Um, I'm hoping they suck this week, obviously. I've got all my gear on for this game, ready to get fired up for it, but um, they were just too much of a mismatch for Missouri this week. And that quarterback at LSU um, doesn't get mentioned enough because he's um, he's legit. They may not have much around him, but he's legit. Well, and it's the first time they've had a legit quarterback threat since Joe Burrow. But before that, name a marquee quarterback from LSU in the last twenty years. Right. 
mean, I mean they, they, they won they, national not, championships with no name quarterbacks in the past. That's what yeah, LSU yeah. was. Yeah, they yeah. Didn't have defense and running game exactly, right. exactly. So he's hitting on all cylinders, like you said. The problem is they've already a two loss team, and you talk about inconsistent. That's a word you use several times on this show. Mm-hmm. LSU is a very inconsistent football team. You don't know which one's going to show up. Right. So we're going to pick, you know, that's the thing that leads you to really stupid looking picks is inconsistent teams playing each other like this. It's like you, you pick against LSU, then they decide they're going to score 60 points. You, you just I picked no against clue. Georgia. After the way <laughs> Georgia played Auburn and the way Kentucky played Florida, I picked against Georgia. Well, I picked against Alabama two weeks in a row, and Saban made well, this. Let's not choice. do it a third time. Arkansas, well, is, Arkansas is not going to beat Alabama, Terry. <laughs> Lord, unless put it in reverse. Unless, unless there's, oh man, I don't even want to say this. Unless there's some kind of pandemic in Tuscaloosa or something, you know. Um, anyway, I'll move on from that statement. So, what other teams made a statement this week? Nebraska gets their first conference win this week with a 20 to 7 win over Illinois. I know you know a lot more about this mm-hmm. game than I do. But you're also pissed off cuz like they may have won 20 to 7 but they got some cleaning up to do. Take the yep. floor, sir. Oh my god, cleaning up. This is like a damn hotel room after a bachelor party job they need to clean up. Listen, Terry, six times started on plus 50. Six fucking times they started on the opponent's side of the football field and we got six points out of it turned the ball over too many times didn't finish drives again defense stopping illinois over and again me and bryant bryant told me i can use his name on the show we're texting and i said they're gonna find a way to piss this away aren't they because literally satterfield called three passing plays and less than a minute elapsed in the game time because they were all incomplete. I'm like, what are you doing? Let's run the ball. Um, And Illinois has been in the past a very good football team. They didn't do jack against Nebraska's rushing game. So this is what leads me to believe Michigan's a lot better than I've been giving them credit for. Because, yes, I can pick on my lovable Huskers that they, they're terrible yeah. or have been. But their defense only allowed Illinois 25 rushing yards. So they're back to form there. Um, Michigan was just bigger, stronger, meaner, phys- more physical football team. Yeah, That's all there is to it. That's the only answer there. Valima right. looks like he's been sucking on an air hose and might be auditioning for the next Wilford Brimley ads about diabetes because that man makes me look small these days. And I don't know who told him that in his size, wearing orange was a good idea. But damn it, (laughs) if he didn't look rather large as my (laughs) co-host here is wearing an orange Auburn shirt, but, yeah, Brent Belima looked very um, inflated. The other thing was, apparently, we had way too many pre-snap penalties. And this was happening because 
the defense was trying to make our offensive line jump and they were yelling things yeah. at him like stem and that sort of thing. And rule got all pissy about the referee. Here's the thing. Your offensive linemen need to have the discipline that it doesn't matter what they hear. If you're on a silent count, you go when you hear the ball, when you see the ball move, that's when you go. There is no need to jump off sides. The pre-stat penalties in that game were absolutely ridiculous. Nebraska should have won this game 45-7. to They left that many chances and opportunities out on the field. So while I'm happy they got the first, first win, looks like they're getting, they got this week off, and then they've got Northwestern next. They should be able to handle Northwestern, hopefully get a few key players yeah. back. Je- Jeff Sims has not come back in it yet at quarterback, which is why we can still do this podcast because I haven't thrown either the headset or the phone uh, for the mobile device here with Jeff Sims in because remember he had eight turnovers in two games and you got to work hard to be that bad, Terry. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But Nebraska's got a lot to do. Rules, rules, putting in the right attitude. I think he's mm-hmm. got them playing, you know, wanting to play physical. Um, you know, but the problem is this physicality's cost him a lot of injuries. So you have to have that delicate balancing act too. Do you need to lower the shoulder on every tackle? I'm just saying especially if you're the quarterback. So anyway, good win for Nebraska. Hopefully they heal up and then next week they got Northwestern. So we'll see. Yeah, I think both of our teams, um, although they're not having the wins that they would want, obviously Auburn's got just two losses. They're to pretty good teams, but um, missed opportunities. You know, you could say, well, you played Georgia, but um, if you're – holding yourself to a standard you don't use that as an excuse you had the opportunity Mm -hmm. you didn't cash in so what do you learn from that but I think the thing that's going to be good for both of these teams is the physicality the defense defense first run the ball now Auburn's problem is they got to run the ball because they can't pass for crap I mean they're they're creating some passing lanes to the outside because they are not going to throw down the middle. They're not going to throw deep. It's just not going to happen. So um, their passing game is a loosen it up so you can run game. I'm good with it. I, I'm just fine running the ball and playing defense. Um, and I know that, you know, that's what uh, Nebraska did for years. Um, that's mm-hmm. what um, I think we both look up to that. Um there's some teams, you know, you say college football's better when blank is good. Nebraska's one of those teams. Miami is not one of those teams. Screw Miami. I hope they Miami fails and, and keeps failing. I don't want Miami to ever be good again. And mm-hmm. I think they're trying their best not to be, and we'll get to that in a minute. You know, at least their coach is. But, um, so what did Miami ever do to you? Oh, they just oh, – I don't know. I, I, you know how many Orange Bulls Nebraska lost to Miami? It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot, Terry. <laughs> and then Warren Sapp and, uh, Warren Sapp and uh, the middle linebacker, Ray Lewis, ended yeah. up sucking wind in that 95 championship game because touchdown Tommy had the ball. Watch out. All right, so let, let's shift a little bit to teams that um... – have shown to not be quite as good as we thought they might be. We're talking Miami. Let's go ahead and get into this. 
Miami loses to freaking Georgia Tech this week. Had the lead with not much time left. Could have taken a knee and run the clock out and won the football game. And I don't know if Cristobal thought he had a controller in his hand and he was playing some kind of video game. I don't know what kind of confidence he had to hand the ball off there, but um, just like you fear, fumble gathered up by Georgia Tech, and they score and embarrass Miami and make them look foolish. And we had my, we got video of Miami players sitting on the sideline saying, what the hell are we doing? And that, that's not good when, you're, coach, when um, you know, you're talking about your coaches that way and you get it on, on video. Um, Miami uh, did not look good against Georgia Tech. No, and Georgia Tech's not a great football team, but here's the deal. Uh, that's that's solely on Cristobal. Mm-hmm. They they snapped the ball at 36 seconds. Yeah. They fumbled the ball, and on second down for 42 yards, Georgia Tech's quarterback hits the touchdown mm-hmm. with one second left. Craziness. So you had to, all you had to do was take a knee, call it, call it a game. Georgia Tech gave you all you wanted. For whatever reason, you decided, and this is what I was talking about the, at the beginning of the show, these bad decisions, bad plays, bad, what are you all doing? You're you're not quite, but you're getting close to halfway through the season, most of them. And, and at this point, you need to eliminate these sort of mistakes. What Cristobal did was amateur. You or I wearing a headset could have made that call. Now, let's be honest. I mean, we could have. We could have said, walk out, take the knee, this. This game's over. Go go on. They don't have any timeouts. They can't stop the clock. Right. Just take a knee. Be done with it. And you win the football And you know game. when your team isn't playing well and you put the ball on the ground and then your defense ba- breaks on busts a coverage and you let him get behind your defense and you have a touchdown. The defense no is probably on the sideline celebrating before the game even ends, which you don't want them doing, but in their head – They've already decided they're not going back on the field. I mean, it's just – I don't know. It, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, there's no, no excuse. excuse for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, the next None. team – and there's a little bit of not as good as we thought they were. Maybe this is kind of in between. But Notre Dame loses to the still undefeated Louisville 33-20. to 20. Um, It was kind of a collapse at the end of the game because it was a pretty good game, and then Louisville pulls away at the end. Um you know, I don't know if this is going to be – this is just that moment for Notre Dame where they kind of collapse. But, um, you know, they had been very consistent up until this point. They had the one loss to Ohio State. It's a pretty good loss if you're going to have a loss. Um, this didn't look great, but it was only for like a quarter. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from here on out. The one thing that should make any Notre Dame fan nervous is Marcus Freeman looked like he didn't have an answer. He looked like, as the head coach, who who is defensive-minded, and that's why Notre Dame's so good on that side of the ball, he didn't have an answer for Jeff Fromm's Louisville. Yeah. Jeff Fromm figured out the weaknesses in Notre Dame's defense, and he exposed them. And they ended up converting those possessions to touchdowns. And that's what you have to do when the big games matter. Uh, but Marcus Freeman's a very young coach. I think this is yeah. his second year or whatever. He didn't look comfortable 
on the sideline after uh, Notre Dame went up by 13 or went down by 13. Louisville went up by 13. Yeah. Um, and you can't have that. You have to have the poker face. You absolutely have to have the poker face. So I think, I think Notre Dame's still a great football team. Louisville was obviously a lot better football team than any of us thought. Mm-hmm. And um, so the from effect is in full, full swing, but, just another reason that the ACC has a pretty decent, decent uh, run this year. Between right. even though we made fun of Miami, they were undefeated up till they lost. Yes, and I think they drew Carolina next week. We'll get there, but I mean, I, I mean they're still a decent football team. They dog walked A and M. So, and who saw that coming? Right. So yeah, a lot of inconsistency, a lot of lack of discipline lot of um, penalties. Some teams are just committing a lot of penalties, stupid penalties. But anyway, um, the next team is Clemson, and we talked about them being inconsistent. They do win this week, but a 17-12 win over Wake Forest. Um, You know, Clemson is just – They'll look really good one week. They'll get blasted one week. I mean, Duke obviously put it on them. We thought they bounced back from that. They went down to the wire uh, overtime with Florida State, but this Wake Forest game is not doing great things for them. They only scored 17 points here. Yeah, Wake Forest isn't a great football team. I mean, they're not an awful football team either, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I thought Clemson had a lot better talent than this for for Wake Forest to even continue to be in the game. And that's, again, that's me. Uh, that's my opinion on this. But I think I think Clemson at this point has already, I don't want to say it, but it's like they've almost given up since they can't compete in the playoff. You know, it's they're not, they're not in the game. So I'm not it, exactly sure why Clemson would be that way. Yeah, this is the kind of game where when you have these types of programs that have been consistent and have recruited well, you normally expect in the second half for the pure athleticism to take over. And that doesn't seem to be happening with them. Um, Because there is a talent gap there. Um, The Wake Forest, you know, you look at the recruits coming into Wake Forest, they don't compare to Clemson. There's much more than a five-point gap in talent there. It should have taken over, and it probably comes down to what you're saying, that what are they playing for now? You know, what can Dabo say to them to get them geared up to win? I don't know. Um, Maybe Wake Forest is not the opponent they're going to get geared up for. Maybe we're going to see them come out and be great again against somebody else later in the season. But um, this didn't look great, and they need to, you know, they need to do a little more if they're going to compete at all, you know, there is a, an ACC championship game coming up. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm not looking, I'm not staring at the standings right now, but I do have it open. Let's take a look at the ACC standings. Um, you know, Louisville and Florida state are three and O North Carolina's two and O Duke has just played one conference game. That's interesting. Clemson sitting at two and two in conference, I mean, they are pretty much out of contention here unless some craziness happens. Um, So maybe they don't really have anything to play for. Maybe that's what we should expect the rest of the year. I don't know. We'll see what Dabo does. 
but worse than yeah, that. Yeah, I was looking at. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I was going to say, I was just looking at a few numbers here, Terry, because I love them. I'm a numbers guy. 18 yeah. first downs, Wake Forest, 19 for Clemson. The difference, third down efficiency, two for 12 from Wake Forest, six for 15 from Clemson. Fourth down efficiency, 0 for 1 Wake Forest, 2 for 2 for Clemson. But here's an interesting line. Wake Forest only had 239 yards. Clemson had 338 Mm -hmm. with two turnovers. Time of possession was nearly even. Six penalties for Clemson. They win by five. This is a punching down game for sure, in my opinion, because Clemson – like you just said, has far better talent, far better athletes than Wake Forest is. Mm-hmm. So like I was about to say, a far worse game. TCU loses to Iowa State, and it wasn't close, 27-14. to 14, And TCU has fallen completely off a cliff here pretty quickly. Not good. Not good at all. I understand they had a lot of success last year, but Iowa State is a god-awful football team. They are not, not even in a conversation, and TCU loses to them. Um, Maybe they're they really were distracted in, by the lack of uniform on the other side or something. I, I, there had to be something because they are they embarrassed themselves, really. It's not a not a good look for the, the national runner-up. Now, they didn't look good in that game either, but they were still the runner-up to the national championship. That's right. No longer are they that. They are a different football team this year. So let's uh, let's look at the remaining undefeated teams. Uh, I ran this down last week. That's changed a little bit this week. We still got fourteen total in um, FBS, um, three in the ACC. We've got Florida State, North Carolina, and Louisville. Three in the Big Ten. That's the big three we've been talking about over and over again, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Three in the Pac-12, USC, Oregon, and Washington. It's possible that they will only have one at the end of this week. We shall see. One in the Big 12 now after Oklahoma beat Texas. Uh, One in the SEC, and that's Georgia. One in Conference USA, Liberty continues to be undefeated. One in the Mountain West, um, Air Force, that's after Fresno State got a loss. And only one in the Sun Belt now that Marshall lost, and that is James Madison. So 14 total undefeated teams, um, 11 of those in the Power Five conferences. Yep. And um, we're going to see those numbers go down this week because we're going to start seeing some good football games. Well, and a lot of meaningful football games left between those undefeateds and even the yeah. one-loss teams or each other. So, yeah, like you said, we we pointed out the pack or the Big Ten. Probably all three of those teams are undefeated until they face each other. Probably, yeah. you know. Um, right. And I would say, I would say, obviously, we're going to see Washington, Oregon, but I mean, USC has got Notre Dame this week, and then they've got to close out their season too. So, I don't think mm. they've got a cakewalk to finish it out either so i'm right so let's take a look at what's coming up this week um this week's kind of weird i looked at the schedule we've got games starting tomorrow tuesday night games wednesday night games thursday night games 
Friday night games and Saturday night games. This week is crazy. And I don't know why this week all of a sudden they, they picked to have a Tuesday. Tuesday is such a weird night to play a football game. I don't remember who it was. I didn't even note it because the game sucked. But um, <laughs> Tuesday, I mean, who the plays on sucks. a Tuesday? How do, if you're the coach of a team that has a Tuesday game, what do, how do you schedule for that? I mean, that just throws off the week completely. I just, I mean, they talk about Monday being difficult, but Tuesday and Wednesday, that is tough. It's actually um, Louisiana Tech versus somebody, Liberty versus Jacksonville State, and Coastal Carolina against App State. That. Those are the three Tuesday games this week, Terry. Three Tuesday. Why? Like, what caused all this? I don't. I don't get it. I mean, who? Who decided Tuesday was a great? I mean, hey, I'm not complaining. I'm going to watch some football tomorrow, right? I mean, I guess when you're these schools, you got to get on TV however you can. So let's support Liberty in winning another football game. Um, I guess that's what we'll be doing. I don't know. I need to look at the TV schedule. I didn't really write it down for these, but Tuesday football. All right, we'll we'll do that. So here's the games that I thought were of note. Um, I'll start on Thursday uh, the, in the Big Twelve. West Virginia at four and one plays at Houston, two and three team. The Friday game in the Pac-12. Stanford, who is pretty awful plays at Colorado who's four and two but um, here's the thing at this point I don't know who Colorado's going to play with I mean they look like they looked great for a couple of games and they're falling off big time I, they, they've won games I'll give them credit for that but I mean some of these games are not much to brag about you know you're favored by 20 you win by three um, you know, give them credit for winning football games, but um, I don't know. They played with USC. That's a positive, but um, Stanford at Colorado. Colorado should win this pretty handily, but at this point, I don't know what to expect in Boulder. It is a home game. Maybe that'll help. And here, let's let's talk about Saturday now. So the early wave of games in the SEC, we've got. Number one, Georgia at Vanderbilt. Georgia six and zero. Vandy's two and five. This is Vanderbilt's eighth freaking football game yet this year. When are they taking an off week? This is crazy. Next These week guys, after Georgia whoops. I them. hope so. I mean, whose plan was this? My goodness, you're going to play your eighth game without a break. Uh, I mean, there's some teams that have played five games. And they've played seven, and they're about to play Georgia. And it's going to, if it wasn't going to be ugly, it's going to be very ugly. I do need to get an update. We will see an update on um, the status of the scoreboard emplacement, see if it's still <laughs> on the crane or in place, because they're going to need it this week for Georgia coming in. They're really going to need it. So the other SEC game in the early wave this week uh, on Saturday is. The two and four Arkansas Razorbacks playing in Tuscaloosa against number ten Alabama, and they are five and one. 
We talked about this earlier. We don't expect much from Arkansas here. We think mm-hmm. Alabama just rolls in Tuscaloosa. The Roll rolls. tide. Yeah. So also in the early Isn't late, it homecoming too? It is homecoming. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah. I think you you don't want to know what's funny, and I'll have to look this up. I think Vanderbilt's homecoming is Auburn. Oof. Yeah. Oof. The but only edge point, for yeah. Vanderbilt is they have the most wins of any SEC team against Auburn. They and do. Terry taught me that, folks. I do, do listen to him occasionally, not just to tell him he's wrong, as advertised on social media today. To make it even worse, Vanderbilt is winning the all-time series against Auburn. Yeah, that's bad. It he, is bad. They're engineers. But, but here, here's smart the thing, people. though. This is the thing. Most of these games occurred in, like, the 19... 19- 30s okay That's were they not excuse. smart people back then <laughs> i don't know i have no idea like, we didn't know what was going mm. on but, but anyway mm. um let's see let's move on um in the acc in the early wave we've got four and two syracuse playing at five and oh florida state the number three team on our top 10 and then the Big Ten, we've got Indiana at two and three playing at number two Michigan. They're six and zero. Oh. You're hearing a lot of these big teams playing against hardly anybody here. I know Syracuse was undefeated for a while, but um, really should not be playing with Florida State. Um, maybe they're going to sneak up on this game and go down to Tallahassee and and show up and and um, shock shock florida state you know if if one of the top five teams is going to have a close game i imagine it's going to be florida state and terry just proved y'all that he's delusional because if you think for one second syracuse is going to tallahassee and going to have a close game after their last two weeks performances you're absolutely (laughs) nuts i didn't say they were i said there's more of a chance of that than than vanderbilt playing close with georgia and Florida State's coming off the bye week. This one's going to be Florida State. Huge, in the words, words of former President mouth. Donald Trump. Huge, baby. It's going to be huge. And just to make it clear, when I say we've got an upset alert, I'm not picking. I'm not picking that team. I'm saying uh, I'm saying we got a close game. Anyway. I didn't yeah, pick. I, definitely picked, I definitely picked Kentucky, and I don't <laughs> care. I stand by that pick. It was a good pick based on all the information we had at the time. All right. So also in the Big Ten, <laughs> another another steamroller game. I didn't pick any of these for us to pick anything because these are going to be so lopsided. Number five, Ohio State at five and zero oh, plays at Purdue at two and four. I mean, none of these early wave games should be close. I mean, the closest game. <laughs> I don't even know what to pick here. I don't even want to say Arkansas at Alabama because I don't expect it to be close. I don't know. So early games are going to be routes. Um, but then it does get better, guys, because the first game I'm going to mention for what I'm calling the middle wave of games, Texas A&M, 4-2, and two, travels to Knoxville to play the Tennessee Volunteers at 4-1. and one. <clears throat> I don't really know what to think here. I have not thought a lot of Tennessee this year, especially after that Florida game, but this one's at home. 
you know, Texas A&M, although we keep saying that they're good, um, they did lose to Alabama at home. They do have that loss against Miami. Um, I think this is going to be pretty close. What are you thinking, Andrew? Um, I think this one is also going to be close. I, I think that, I think that these two teams are still searching for their identity as to who they are. Uh, Texas A&M held Alabama to negative 11 yards. Do I have that right, Terry? Rushing? Um, yeah, rushing. I thought they ended up going positive in the second half. Well, but I mean, in the first half, it was negative 11, I think. Yeah, it was negative at halftime, I think. And then they, I think they ran for about 30 or 40 yards in the second half and made it positive, something like that. So the way play action pass works is you got to get the run game started, as anybody listening to this podcast knows. So if Heifel can't get the run game started and he becomes predictable, that gives Jimbo's defense a chance to a chance to go ahead and tee off on Tennessee. Um, I think Tennessee coming off, I think they came off a bye week, um, should be rested. I would hope that they've learned things because that Florida game was ugly. But um, I'm going to go with Tennessee in this one. I just can't pick Jimbo in that crowd. All right. So we're going to do it a little different this week. And instead of picking, you called me out on the floor last week because you said, I pick scores. Terry doesn't pick scores. So, damn it, we're going to pick <laughs> scores this time, okay? You can't call me out like that and us not to do it. Give me a score. What's the score of this game? This score, uh, let's go 27-23 Tennessee. You had to say that score, didn't you? You know why? I had already topped mine in as 27 for Texas A&M and 23 for Tennessee. So we flip-flopped the 27-23 score here, and that's going to be pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. I just and then think Tennessee's going to come hang 50. Well, and, oh, you know, that's God. the thing. It's like, well, you got to be bold sometimes. Um, gonna be, I'm going to be wrong a lot, and I'm going to act like I wasn't. Like, I didn't say that. I'm the one that holds the the recordings. I can I can edit this stuff out. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, I do think I, I give the slight edge to A&M. I know it's at Tennessee. I just, and I don't know, you know, I, I gave the slight edge to them over Alabama last week, and that blew up in my face. But Tennessee ain't Alabama. I don't care if it is in Knoxville. So this is going to be exciting. <laughs> That'll be good. So we're going against each other. See, the last few weeks we've agreed on the first few, and you've said we can't do that. We're already disagreeing. All right. So now another kind of intriguing game. It really shouldn't be, but uh, the Gators have been inconsistent at best. They look really good. (laughs) They look really bad. Florida at four and two plays at South Carolina at two and three. This is not one of our pick'em games, but um, probably going to be a decent game to watch. So then, in the, also in the middle wave of games this Saturday in the Big Ten, we've talked about this one. We're definitely not picking this game unless we want to just see how lopsided it is. UMass at one <laughs> and six, and I don't know who the one is. I know Auburn <laughs> destroyed them to start the year. Um, at Penn State, our number three team, who is five and zero, and this should not be close. Obviously, we're picking Penn State here in a route. 
big time go Nittany Lions. So staying in the Big Ten in the middle wave of games, we've got Illinois at two and four. Traveling to Mar- Maryland, who's coming off their first loss of the season, and they are at five and one. Um, the expectation would be that Maryland would be able to win this, but um, how much chance do you think that Illinois goes over there after some tough losses and puts a game together? None, none, not against Mike Loxley's Maryland, not with what we saw them play against Ohio State, unless they just shot their entire wad for the whole season. Yeah, they Maryland got one of those wins this. Tua boys over there at Maryland. So, Tua Gavol. Uh, yeah, you made me say <laughs> yeah. it wrong. Now. I had it the last time. Uh, Tagavaloa. Thank you, Tagavaloa. Terry, get it right. Show some respect on that kid's name. But um, unless they absolutely shit the bed, Maryland wins this. Three scores. Write it down. I don't care. That's what I said. Three scores, buddy. Three. One, two, three. <laughs> well, here's one that should be maybe pretty close. Uh, still in the Big Ten, Iowa at five and one travels to Wisconsin at four and one. I would expect Wisconsin to win this one. Iowa struggles a little bit on offense here, um, even to the point where Dabo, as bad as his team played, threw a shot at Kirk Ferentz saying, "If we're getting compared to a Ferentz offense, then it must be pretty bad." <laughs> yeah, Brian Ferentz. Brian Ferentz oh, is the yeah. offensive coordinator. He's <laughs> awful. Listen, their quarterback's out. Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin. Yeah. That's the only answer because Iowa can produce no offense whatsoever. Yeah, Literally, bad. they need their defense to get a pick six so they get some points on the board. That's how awful Iowa is on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going with Wisconsin. Fickle's going to get a big signature win he needs. And they're going to move on and up in the West. So then in the middle wave of games, we also have in the Big 12, Kansas at 5-1, and one, travels to Oklahoma State at 3-2. and two. Has Oklahoma State bounced back any? Can we have any kind of confidence in them playing a football game? The only confidence I have in Oklahoma State at this point is that Mike Gundy is a man. Okay, and he's 58, he, I believe. He's a 58-year-old man, thanks to Terry's <laughs> research. But he is a man. Kansas bounce back. They they're gonna go ahead and they, they're gonna win this one. I think. I don't know. It's gonna be a big, yeah. big, big loss, but they're gonna win this by a touchdown or so. Yeah. All right. So let's go out to the Pac-12. It seems like the Pac-12 is starting to schedule some earlier games. I guess they heard that I was useless the day after staying up so late to watch Colorado. So two o'clock um, in the morning, buddy. We were both I, useless. That was, was awful. Freaking ridiculous. Uh, that's the reason that that I'm glad the Pac-12 is going away. I'm not big on conferences <laughs> going away, but at least we will get away from these ridiculous start times. Anyway, let's move along. California at 3-3. Three and three. Auburn gave them one of those losses. At Utah at 4-1. and one. You know, mm-hmm. even without their quarterback, Utah's still 4-1. and one, And they play some defense. Um, California's got a little bit of life in them, but I think Utah, mm-hmm. especially at home, is just too much here. Yeah, Utah's going to take this one, and hopefully their quarterback's back. If he's not back, you can rely on Old Faithful, and that's the defense, which is not allowing a whole lot of points to be scored in the conference that scores the most points you've ever seen. So I'm going with Utah. They're my pick still to win the Pac-12. I'm riding that horse until they kill over dead. But Utah, probably in a close one if the quarterback ain't there, because like Iowa, 
they ain't scoring shit either. So <laughs> if they don't have their quarterback, it's going to be a low-scoring affair. Man, I would. What about Iowa and Utah in a bowl game this year? Talk about a snooze fest, he, man. People would be bored to death, and I love those defensive games. But people would be bored to death. They'd get the worst ratings ever. You know, they put it on talk- like ESPN seventy six or whatever. They got like seventy six ESPN channels. You know, I've always talked about. I don't remember what. I think it was fifteen years ago, and I may have mentioned it before. The game that Auburn played in Starkville and walked away with a three to two victory, and I said, yeah. like, I said, I think the play of the game was a seven yard pass for first down. You know, it was something like that. It was crazy. It was just insane. Nobody, we, we won that game, but it's like, do, let's let's just get beyond this and not talk about it. That's like the worst win ever. They scored I, on a safety, and you scored on a field goal. You cannot say you won anything. Hey, our offense was on the field for all the points. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move along because this next one we need to talk about is the game. Number six, Oregon at 5-0 and travels to number eight, Washington at 5-0. and They are both rested up and ready to go. They both have 16-cylinder offenses. Um... I don't even know where to start with trying to guess the score here. I mean, this we're going to have some light bulbs burn out this week. Um, this is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait for this. But it does remind me, in 2010 in the national championship game, it was supposed to be one of these games. And then it ended up being low 20s. <laughs> so what are the That's chances true. we see Oregon win 20s to 17 or something this week? Yeah, because that's uh, that is definitely true. The um... sorry, I was doing something. That's definitely oh, okay. true. The exp- it was night. It was nineteen to ten. Or Auburn beat Oregon, if I'm not mistaken. But it was supposed to be a shootout. Wasn't that the year that Cam won it all? Yeah, yeah, and Auburn against won. Oregon. Auburn won. I think it was. I think it was twenty three twenty. I'd have to look back at it, but it was a field goal at the oh, end. Oh, was it okay? They put them on top because they were okay. tied. Yeah, but it was for some one reason of those nineteen to ten ones. stuck out. But it yeah. wasn't a. It was the whole point was it wasn't a high scoring affair. Yeah, in any way, shape, or form. In Oregon, that's what they thought they were going to do to Auburn was just steamroll them the way Chip Kelly's offenses had been steamrolling everybody, and that did not happen. Um, Even though Oregon's putting points on the board this year, they're a very different put-together team than that team was back then. We think of the flashy Oregon team like that, especially because, you know, they are basically Nike University, you know, and they've got a million uniform combinations and all that. But um, Dan Lanning has put together a a pretty tough football team. Um, You know, outside of Utah – and, you know, maybe Oregon State um, has got some toughness out there. Um, the rest of the conference is pretty much flash, but um, Oregon is a different kind of football team. And they've got some toughness. Yeah, they don't – and they don't just need to, like uh, – and it's no offense to what Chip Kelly did. He used a lot of motions and jet sweeps and that sort of thing to get his guys already at full speed before they turn that corner. You got Dan Lanning calling – you got Dan Lanning calling middle um, 
middle dives, you know, 22 power. Let's roll up. Let's, let's take the fullback. Let's block for the running back and let's go. You know, um, when you're calling 22 power in Oregon in the end, the pack 12, which has the speed and the talent to run the outside, you know, that you've got a physical football team. Secondly, that defense is probably as good of one as that Washington will face in the entire conference, Utah, you know, notwithstanding, but, I like Oregon in this, even at home for Washington. I like um, I like the fact that Oregon is a complete football team, and I know I've used that word a lot. But you you by five or six games in, we typically in a season as fans know who the best teams are and who's the imposters and everybody else. And I think Oregon is the real deal. The Washington game gives them the chance to show everybody that they really are indeed. But like you've said, Dan Lanning has done an outstanding job taking over that Oregon football program. Right. He's got them pumped up. They're motivated. We talk about people like Kirby and, and Saban and Dion and anybody else that you want to mention that gets those people motivated. Um, I'm telling you, Oregon, top five football team, and this Sunday, Saturday, excuse me, they're going to prove it. All right, so my pick, um, I'm going Oregon 48, Washington 41. What do you got, Andrew? Oh, it's going to be stupid high, but uh, you said Oregon. Give me the score one more time, so I don't want to use the same one you do. I'm not like that, Terry. I picked the numbers last time. Hey, Put it in I, reverse. Put it in well, reverse. <laughs> so, hey, I'm telling you, I typed those numbers in, and I was like, damn it, he's going to pick my same numbers and flip-flop them. That just happened that way. But I picked Oregon 48-41. Wow, you're going with 89 points in this one. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I'm going Oregon 45, Washington 38. All right. Seem to be around the same thing. All right, so that ends the middle wave of games, and then we start talking about the night games, and I'm going to have to let us talk about this one. Auburn at 3-2 and two, travels to Baton Rouge for a night game at LSU, who is 4-2. Um, obviously, we're all hoping, all of us in orange and blue here, hoping for um, – the bad LSU to show up for most of the game here. You know, they talk about a little bit of voodoo at Jordan-Hare, but um, we're talking Baton Rouge here. There's plenty of voodoo down there. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is this is one of those not very confident in, in what my team's going to do situations here. I don't know, man. Baton Rouge is an environment on itself, something like you just said. It – it alone is responsible for LSU winning football games. Just the 90,000 people in Death Valley. It's enough to win football games. Um, Auburn's going to have to play a disciplined football game. They're going to be they're going to have to use the silent count to your point. They're going to have to run the ball and they're going to have to create some passing lanes because LSU's defense has shown over and again that they can be beaten, they can be exposed. And at this point they've got to be allowing what? 35 points a game. When you look at the Florida State game, the Missouri game, um, they got in the shootout with Ole Miss, so and those were all over 40. 
So they've got to be allowing. Well, they goose egged that one team. They beat them like seventy to fourteen. So the the average probably isn't quite that high. But um, LSU is vulnerable, and they're vulnerable to lose. But this is a big game for them. Anytime you play under the lights at Tiger Stadium, it's a big deal. So I think, as much as I love you, Terry, and you're my buddy. Mm-hmm. I think LSU just has too much talent. They get the job done on this one. I, I think Auburn makes this a dog fight or a, you know, tog, tiger fight or whatever. The Auburn <laughs> Tigers and the LSU Tigers. I mean, shit, we already had the LSU Tigers and the Missouri Tigers. Why not the Auburn Tigers? I don't know. You got a bunch of Tigers, but there's only one Tigger. I learned that when I was a kid. So, anyway. <laughs> Um, like the wonderful things about Tiggers, playing under the bright lights in Baton Rouge is hard for any team. Yeah. I think I think you guys put up a fight, but I think LSU walks on this one, walks away with this one anyway. They're not gonna they're not going to steamroll Auburn, I don't believe, but I think they win this one. Yeah, I think um and, and this is just general comments on what I've seen. I think there's a lot of positive thoughts moving forward but i think there's some severe limitations at auburn right now well you've said the passing game is the big the big thing for you guys offensively the passing game yeah and the offensive line is not great i mean that's the thing they can run block a little better than they pass block uh the receivers aren't great um we don't have a quarterback that can get to them great and i know there's been videos of peyton thorne's passes being dropped but my opinion is just because it hits a guy in the hands doesn't mean it's catchable. That I mean, have you ever reached for something on the top shelf and you could touch it but you couldn't grab it? That's what touching the football means sometimes because the quarterback did not lead the receiver, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't necessarily right. believe every time they touch it they should catch it. You know, that that's pretty ridiculous. But um, I think the positive things I'm seeing, though, are – If you look at the Texas A&M game, we had a couple of running backs that either ran for seven yards a carry or six yards a carry, and they didn't touch the ball much. By the time that Georgia came to town, he had figured out the passing game ain't doing it. We're going to have to run the football. And they adjusted, and they did better. Now they're rested up. Um, So hopefully Freeze takes those lessons, continues on, uh, the defense is rested. Um, the secondary is very good. There's not a lot of secondaries in the country that are as good as Auburn. Auburn's problem on defense is on the defensive line and the linebackers. Um, one thing I'm concerned about is the quarterback because he can throw and he can run. And I don't think that Auburn's going to be good with with players like that. Um, so I'm with you. Um I think Auburn might be able to get it like a 10 or 17 point game. Um, just because I don't think LSU's defense is much. But I think, especially being in Baton Rouge, um, they're going to pull away from it. So let's Yeah, move that's on. my thoughts. The Baton Rouge, baby. Call them Baton Rouge, like the that's goat right. said. But, hey, we do have the Iron Bowl at Auburn. Let's see what happens up until then. I might get a little crazy by that point and have a few drinks in me and, and predict something ridiculous. Anyway, moving spoiler, on. Spoiler, they're fucking losing. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Roll tie. Hey, we've won a bunch of them that we weren't supposed to. But anyway, Missouri 
after their first loss. They are five and one. Travels to Kentucky after their first loss. They are five and one. This is an interesting game because, um, you know, both of them have one loss. Kentucky really should be the better team, and they have it at home. Um, let's pick a score here. What are we thinking? I mean, mm. is Missouri was were they just pretenders and they got shown up, or was there something there and they've got more fight in them? Well, I dare say that Missouri's not going to not going to uh, score twenty two on Kentucky in the first quarter. Okay, so let's let's take that off the table right <laughs> now. I'm going with uh, Kentucky thirty, Missouri seventeen. Dang it, man. You've got to quit picking while I'm topping my score. Because I, I had <laughs> – you said 30 to 17. <laughs> yeah. So, I was not picking that exact score. I was picking 35-17. But um, I'll go with 35-20 for Kentucky. I think both of us see them winning by a couple of touchdowns or, or more. Um yeah, I just especially when it's at home. I think Kentucky overall is a better football team. They just ran into the wrong team last week, and it didn't really matter who Georgia was playing last week. Um, I think Kirby woke them up. Um, I agree I, with that. I don't I think, think it would have mattered who the opponent was. Yeah. I think there would have been days that Kentucky would have been a lot closer to Georgia, but Saturday was not the day. Sorry about that, Kentucky. Auburn probably did that to you. But, um, you know, I, I think they handle business against Missouri. And the worst part is you're not actually sorry. But go ahead. Next game. <laughs> no, I like Kentucky. I wouldn't say sorry to Florida. And I wouldn't say – I definitely wouldn't say <laughs> sorry to Tennessee. I'll say sorry to oh, Kentucky. Oh, my God. Anyway. He's such a hater. Oh. <laughs> So another, let's go to the ACC for the night games. The first game, undefeated Louisville travels to Pittsburgh. Uh, Louisville six and zero at Pittsburgh one and four. This is not a pick'em game because this is not going to be. Thank God. This this game is not going to be close. Pittsburgh mm. is not very good and um, awful. Louisville, um, still not sure exactly where they fit. Um, I'm anxious to see how bad they beat pittsburgh here um i was a little surprised at the louisville win this weekend um so we need to open up our eyes uh, look up at kentucky and, and see louisville there at six and oh and see how far they can go with it agreed i like louisville in this one and i like them big all right we're about to pick another game here Oh, stop this it. is this one might be a little bit of a tough one. This is a good game. I'm also. gonna let you go for. I'm gonna let you go first. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. So we are traveling to North Carolina as the Tar Heels at five and zero host the Miami Hurricanes, who just lost their first game in a really stupid way against Georgia Tech. So the question is. How much do we dock Miami for that? Because they beat Texas A&M pretty handily. Um, that Georgia Tech game looked like a big stinker all around. North Carolina, as we big. said, they're really coming on, and they're a tough football team, and they're consistent. Uh, this is not a real easy one. So here's my thoughts. 
I'm thinking North Carolina 31, Miami 20. I think they put it on them pretty decent. I'm going to go North Carolina 38, Miami 17. Oh, wow. You're putting it on even more. We don't have a lot of confidence that Miami can bounce back here, do we? Cristobal's not, not, in, not in not in Chapel Hill and not against Mac Brown when he's got Carolina playing the way they are. All right. I don't think there's much else to be said. We've said plenty about um, how impressed we are with North Carolina. I'm still – I don't know what to think about Miami at this point. Um, they weren't really ranked all that high even with the Texas A&M win – which is kind of weird, but, um, you know, that loss to Georgia Tech's unforgivable. North Carolina big by both of us here. So let's go to the Big Ten. And this is not – my notes are incorrect. Um, this is not the Big Ten. This is an independent game. I don't know why I called this Big Ten. So we got I USC. Saw it. <laughs> I was tired when I put this together. Hey, they're in that region of the country. I guess that's what made me think of it. USC yeah, at 6-0 at Notre Dame, who is 5-2. We've talked about Notre Dame, even though they're 5-2, and two, been a fairly consistent team that we felt kind of fell apart this week. Um, you know, Notre Dame stays with a tough schedule. You, you can criticize them for a lot, but not having a schedule is not one of the criticisms you need to have. Um, so we are going to pick this one, but let's talk about it a little bit. What I see coming into this is two things. So Notre Dame, you know, are, are they going to get back to the consistency that, that boosted them in the ratings even with a loss to Ohio State before. They've got a good quarterback. They're a tough football team. We question their coaching, obviously. He's young. He's not quite there yet. There's some mistakes. But then we got USC, and I made the statement earlier that USC, I think, is Colorado with a little bit more talent. And this one is a tough one to, vote, to, to pick for me because I know that USC has talent. I mean, they got the Heisman Trophy winner from last year, for God's sakes. Um, this is very tough. You want to go first this time, or are you going to force me to go first this time? Now nah, we're going with uh, Notre Dame over USC 24-13. All right, so you're saying 24-13. 13 is tough for that USC offense there. I can't – I mean, I know Notre Dame's got a good defense. I know, I know. I'm going to go. I'm going to give USC 20 points. I'm going to say it's a little closer. It's going to be a good football game. I'm going 24-20. So it's your score, but USC with another touchdown. And 13 and 20 are probably too light to, if we're really, really honest, but we're putting a lot of faith in Notre Dame's defense. <laughs> right. It'll be like 48 to 40 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I want it to be 24-20, though. That's what. That's my deal. I, I don't. And it's our show, so what does it matter? Yeah, yeah. Shut up if you're criticizing us on this. That's what we think it's going to be. <laughs> anyway, let's go to the Big Twelve. Let me check. Let me check to make sure I got the conference right in our show notes here. Okay. Yeah, that's the Big Twelve. Kansas State at three notes. and two, at Texas Tech at three and three. 
Um, neither one of these teams, I mean, Kansas State at one point we thought was pretty good, but lately they have not shown to be. Um, yeah, maybe it's a decent football game. Not a lot to say here. I'll be switching the channel over there to watch it some just to see what's going on. But then we got two more games in the Pac-12. These are the late night after hours games. Arizona at three and three, who's got a little bit of life. Um, at Washington State at four and one, and then we've got UCLA at four and one at Oregon State at five and one. And those are the games we think are worth mentioning for this week. Um, some pretty good football games coming up. You know, we talk about USC and Notre Dame being down a little bit before this game, but still feel it's going to be a good game to watch. We've obviously got Oregon and Washington that, that's coming up. It's going to be spectacular. Miami, North Carolina should be a decent game. Um, I'm hoping Auburn at LSU is better than it has the potential to be. <laughs> Missouri at Kentucky should be good. Texas and at Tennessee. Uh, several pretty good games. The top teams are playing a bunch of nobodies. So don't expect much movement at the top of our poll. So um, I think that second layer of teams is going to have some good games to play. So it'll be a good weekend. Any final thoughts this week before we wrap it up, Andrew? No, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, I think there's a lot of good games on, and then there's a lot of games that, you know, if those uh, if those superior teams just don't just don't romp, destroy, crash, you know, goose egg, whatever you want to call it, it, it might actually lead to a few more questions for next week's show because there's a lot of games that game six probably shouldn't be of the season. You know, I mean, you should get some stiffer competition than what you're playing. On the other hand, you just listed 10 games that should be worth watching. So that's plenty, you know, but um, like, I'm, I mean, I made fun of it. But if Penn State doesn't beat UMass by 50, I mean, really? Oh, yeah. They are not a good football team. <laughs> I mean, Auburn blasted them. I mean, yeah. I mean, Penn State. And they don't, they don't throw the ball as we learned tonight at Auburn. They run the ball. And they, we've they never beat, heard of they beat pass. We don't know what it even is. Correct. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. And I, I mean, but those, those, you know, like you, you pick, you picked out Michigan playing Purdue, Indiana playing Ohio State, or maybe I've got that switched. But they're, yeah, they're conference games, but they're not very good teams. Right. Indiana is hot garbage, and Purdue is just you know, doing everything they can to hang on. So, um, yeah, I think the ones you picked are the ones that we need to need to pay attention to the most. And obviously for me, the game of the week, I'll call it now, it's going to be Washington and uh, Oregon. It should be spectacular. So I guess my final thoughts here are we're roughly halfway through the season. Um, I think everybody should be getting to at least their sixth game. Vanderbilt, for whatever reason, is in their eighth game because of that Hawaii trip in week zero. Um, we've had some good football. We've had some bad football. I think this week's going to end up being good. You know, what upset are we going to be talking about next week? What coaching stupidity will we be talking about? Who's going to say something dumb in the media? I don't know. Um, but there's always something to talk about. It's really exciting. It's been a good half of the season, 
And I love the fact that we've got so much conflict at who's number one. Um, I look at it every week and I'm like, these five teams have a resume where you could put them up there. And I love it. Now yep. that's going to start breaking down and um, I'm going to be proven wrong on some stuff. You're going to be proven wrong on some stuff. We're going to be proven right. Never on some happening. Stuff. Oh yeah. You never happening. At least. I know how that never works. happening. <laughs> but listen, guys, we appreciate no. anybody that listens to us. Yeah. We're just two guys that decided about a week before a football season that we would put our voices on some um, audio files and put it out into the world. Um, we appreciate um, any likes or comments that we get, even arguments, keep bringing them. Um, so find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok. Um, we are at TNA Top 10. I am at TWeave79, and he is at 30 Your Fan. Thank you for listening. Um, if you'd be so kind, please rate us. Uh, leave a review, that kind of thing. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody.